Welcome to Cigars Podcast. Today is Thanksgiving, and we are grateful for all the things we have. Thank you for being the audience that you are from the first time. Thank you to our sponsors. Without you, it would have been very, very hard. Thank you to every single member of the community who makes everything so amazing. Today, we have a very special guest, as I mentioned. So please enjoy this episode and hug your loved ones. Thank you for being part of Cigars Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Sergio, better known as Conga Dad, and this is Cigars Podcast. Today with us, we're super excited. Like, you know, we're always excited about our guests, but today is like we took it up a notch. We are in the next level. But first things first, we have our excellent co-host, Bobby El Cigarrican. How are you, Bobby? Good, good. And you, man, I'm super excited. I'm like, I can't wait to, you know, introduce our our invite for tonight hey man i can see you i can see you smiling uh i know um you know you've been a part you have a relationship with this next guest for a couple of years yeah um and through him you have introduced a lot of people in from the spanish-speaking community the latino community whether it's in puerto rico in the u.s now we have a lot of brothers who are part of the podcast community that found us through him. So just go ahead and present our next guest for tonight. All right. So tonight we have with us Mr. Brian Dessin, the founder of Privada Cigar Club. How's it going, brother? Good, man. How, how are you? Well, super excited. Super excited because we want to do a different interview. You know, uh -huh. we the plan here is kind of to know who's Brian besides cigars like where do you come from because sometimes people you know people know that you were a sneakerhead you know you like sh shoes whatever but and you have privada cigar club and that obviously but we want to know like who are you you know where do you come from like how do you grow up and all that story yeah oh that's cool man you know no one ever asked me that that's i guess I, yeah i i i think most people probably have a great story of you know how they grew up uh, interesting story i have a pretty interesting story though um so you want me to like start from the the, the bottom of the bottom all right i mean so, that way i mean however however you want it because we we have enough time so whatever time you have we can do you know whatever you like okay so thanks for having me number one Thank you. Thank you for being a member from almost, I, I would say, basically the beginning. You really have. And we've been uh, emailing back and forth ever since then. I've yep. followed you from Pennsylvania to Atlanta or, you know, outside of Atlanta now. And, you know, I'm, uh, I, 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 you know, I consider you a, a friend, part of the family, part of the Pravada community, you know. Um, so I was born in New York City. And around five years old, maybe less. I know we had an apartment in New York until I was about five, but we moved about an hour and a half away to a place called Allentown. And that's in Pennsylvania, right on the other side of Jersey. Mm -hmm. So um, I grew up mostly out there. I always went back and forth to New York, and I always felt like I was a New Yorker. But once I got old enough, I realized that I, I'm, it's, I, it might be I'm more of a Pennsylvania person because I, I have a lot of both. But um, they both have strong points, things, fundamentals that you get in your character growing up there, you know. Um, and one of the things about Pennsylvania is, is you, you really have to be thorough. If you say you're, you do something, you better be able to do it well. A lot of guys in New York, oh, I do this, I do that. You never see them again. <laughs> right, them? right. You there's gotta eight, be a man of your word. Yeah, there's eight million people running around. Who knows when the next time you're gonna see that person is, you know? So Pennsylvania was like, you had to show and prove. Uh, it was a little bit of a violent upbringing, I'll be honest with you. I mean, probably no more than a lot of other people, but I think, um, you know, I grew up, Allentown was a pretty drug infested uh, place. 
you know, I have uh, my mother's, you know, battled with heroin addiction for, you know, I think most of my life once I became like 10 or 11 or something like that. So I grew up running around the streets uh, and I was always attracted to a very bad element. <laughs> I really enjoyed like going out into the worst neighborhoods and hanging out and meeting people. And, and this was in a time where, you know, your average white kid didn't do that. And so I, I definitely paid a lot of uh, repercussions for that. There was a lot of fighting and a lot of, you know, not, not like, you know, murders like today, but, you know, fist fights. And fist it was fight, rough. fist fight. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I grew up with that. And then around, I, I was, a, <clears throat> I, was a, I liked writing poetry when I was a kid. And then I started rapping and I was actually really good. I was really good before Eminem. Okay, so, so I know I'm serious, man. Like it, it was it's it was that serious. Like I was a great songwriter. Uh, uh, I had a sound and everything and I got really far. I worked with a lot of great people, big stars. Um, and uh, but then and right as I was about to start, I, I had was receiving record deal interests. Um, uh, Eminem came out and then it was like, no, 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 no. It wasn't like today where you could have 20 million white rappers like. Back then, it was like a, a gimmick. So I, um, after being depressed for like six months, I learned how to sing. I actually, I have a good vo singing voice, but not like a technical, like an American Idol singer, more like a rock singer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I started singing my rap songs, and that took off. And I toured the Northeast with a group called The Answer, and we we had a great time. It was an amazing situation. And then um, and then we broke up uh, like most bands do. And uh, <laughs> and then I I don't know what I did. I got miscellaneous jobs. I got I got sales jobs in New York City, New Jersey. Uh, I never I never lived back in Pennsylvania full time until I became an adult again. I, I hated it there at the time. Now I have mixed emotions about it. I love it in some ways. And, and so, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Job, 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 job. I move in with this kid. He's a complete derelict. Uh, I, 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 but he can play the piano and the guitar really well. So I got him a computer. I think someone owed me money or something. And I got him a computer. <laughs> and and uh, so... I taught him how to use Pro Tools, which I didn't know how to use. We just looked on tutorials and stuff. This kid was a genius musician. And so we started writing songs together. And about six months later, LL Cool J was knocking on our front door. Uh, he wow. heard a CD. Someone gave him the CD. It was very unique music. The stuff that you can find on me, it doesn't... Actually, you know what? There is some of this stuff on my SoundCloud. Uh, Mike, Mike and I wrote a couple of things on there. I think Hollywood or One More Round. There's another song on there. Uh, and, um, and so we went with LL. It turned out to be a nightmare. He's, he's a great guy. He's just not a great businessman. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you ever it, happens, it happens, man. It happens. Sorry, but it's the truth. You're a superstar, but you're no, uh, you know, you ain't no entrepreneur guy. So, <laughs> and a great person, I have to say. Um, so we 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 all fought like bands do for you know. We put together a band. We fought for two years, and then finally I said, "That's it. I'm out." He's not coming back for us. He went to L.A. to do the. Show. And, um, you know, by this time, we're all drug addicts and fucking like, you know, we thought we were big shots in New York. Everyone knew about us. They wrote about us in the papers. LL Cool J is protege. And, you know, all right, moving forward. So another depression. I moved down to Miami because I'm like, I got to get out of New York. Everyone I know here is hooked on drugs and I got to go. So I was I thank God I had the, 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 the intelligence to, to leave. So I left. I was very lonely in Miami. I didn't, I didn't know anyone. And I did know some people in the music industry. And some weird things happened to me while I was there, too. I almost signed a deal with Cash Money Records right at the same time Drake did. I'm not saying I'd have been Drake, but <laughs> <laughs> they were looking for artists. And, and, but I, the way I saw it was I met Baby and those guys. And I was like, yo, 
how are you driving a million dollar car and your people are starving? Like everyone looks like shit. They don't leave the studio. They have no money. And I was like, I, I knew in the back of my mind, I, I saw Wayne there one time and I was like, I bet you he money. That's what I said to myself. I was like, I bet you this, this guy owns everything of his. That's how the music industry is. You drive the car, you get the house, you think it's so easy because you didn't have to go to the mortgage closing and you didn't have to do, and, and, and Suge Knight owns it. And when mm -hmm. you're done with Suge, he's done with you and you have to leave the house and the cars and, <laughs> and your exactly. bank account. You know, so uh, anyway, so that was my final straw with that. I was like, okay, that's it. No more music, done. I'm 31, going on 32. <clears throat> I basically live out of a van, <laughs> you know, and like a studio apartment, I was the worst. But, you know, there were times where I really didn't have anywhere. And then, um, uh, and I got a job as a chauffeur because I actually got a job at the Apple store, uh, but I got fired in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> This is in Miami or in New York? Yeah, Miami on Miami. Lincoln Road. And a lot of girls at that store, though, bro. <laughs> Two weeks is all you need down there. That's why you got fired. <laughs> so, um, no, you know where I got fired? Because I always dressed funky. You know what I mean? And so back then, I was an artist. I was a little ahead of my time. Mind you, I'm coming from New York. I, was, I had stylists. I had great clothes, you know, unique stuff. And... Um, Half the kids at the Apple store had like their head shaved with a tattoo on their head. And the manager singled me out one day. Like, I don't like those those pants and boots and stuff. And I was like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> you don't tell me what to wear. You got some kid over here. I don't even know what he's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> is he a human being even? Like, you know, you're picking out my pants and my boots? Okay, this isn't gonna work. So uh, I got a job as a chauffeur. I figured I could handle that because you really don't have uh, a boss. I mean, the, 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 the person riding in the car is really your boss. I didn't think about that at the time, but you really don't have a boss. And eventually, even if that person's an asshole, they get out of the car and you move on with your life. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I got a job as a chauffeur. Um, I did pretty well with it. The company was robbing its employees blinds. I mean, the things that they were doing to these people, it was, it was, it was a nightmare. And uh, I ended up going to, uh, I answered some job ad for auto transport broker sales. You could do it on the side. When I wasn't driving the car, I could do this. And I was kind of like, maybe I don't want to drive. Maybe, you know. Anyway, so I end up at working for this lady from uh, Brooklyn, this Israeli chick. And um, she was the biggest liar I've ever seen in my, my life. And so I have no idea how the business works. And I'm listening to her and I started to catch on. I'm like, well, now mind you, I'm no angel, but I also do business with integrity. And, you know, I don't rip people off. No one can ever say that I owe them money or they, you know, like, there's no, there's none of that with me. I run a clean, <laughs> clean business. <laughs> and uh, to hear someone do business the way she was, I mean, it was just all lies. Was, oh, yeah, I got a truck driver for you. I'm like, do you have anyone? No, I don't have anyone. We'll find someone. It's real, real Trump stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know everyone's in love with Trump. But it was real. Don't worry about it. Let, corona's almost gone. It's done. It's <laughs> It'll disappear. It'll disappear <laughs> itself. The heat. Forget about it. So it was, it was a lot of that. And I felt really uncomfortable working for her. And it really wasn't paying anything. So I, um, I took off from there and one of my friends told me, oh, hey, this kid was a hustler. I hope he's all right now. I'm sure he is. I think he's in uh, Maryland. So this kid, he lived across the street from me. He was one of the first people that caught on to Airbnb. So he had this little, we were broke kids. He worked at the Apple store too. He worked at, we weren't even kids. I mean, but for our generation with what happened in uh, 2011 and then what happened in 2008, You know, no one was breaking the bank at that point. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From big money or, you know, had a great opportunity. So uh, he was like, dude, you're not going to believe this shit. He was like, I'm going to get rich. I was like, what? Off what? Yeah, nice black guy. I, I said, off what? And he was like, Airbnb. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, you don't understand. I got these European people in my house right now. <laughs> paying me like 200 a night to stay there <laughs> I was like, wow. he was like he was like are you down like 
rent like seven apartments under your name. I was like, I, I don't know about this. So he ended up doing it. I think he did well, but eventually, you know, that, that kind of ran its course too. Um, everyone caught on to that. So where am I? I'm in Miami. I answer another job for, oh, I, I went in, I, I, I got myself fired from that one too. I got into an argument with them because they weren't paying people. <clears throat> Turns out they have a class action lawsuit against them now, but I could care less. So I answer a job as a private driver, not, not just a chauffeur for a company, but for one person. Like, and that kind of, that kind of interested me because I was like, wow, you know, like you get a salary, probably have set hours. That'd be cool. You know? And so I went to work for this guy. His name was Dr. Michael Brown. And he was a hand doctor from Houston, Texas. He, I feel like he patented something that fixed um, carpal tunnel syndrome. So the guy had a lot of money and he had 42 cars. I drove him around in um, a Rolls Royce Phantom. So mind you, he's not in the car. If, I, if I'm on shift nine hours, he's in the car 10 minutes. I'm driving around South Beach. I'm right on South Beach in a, in a Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Living the life. Bro, I'm telling you, I'm just pulling up in front of places like take the tie off so that they don't know I'm a chauffeur and that's it. They're like, whoa, who is this guy? It was, it was incredible. It was an incredible feeling, but I had nothing to back that up. So I, did, I never really took that very far because I really like even to walk into a nightclub, I didn't really have a ton of money to like, you know, buy drinks or, you know, if I meet girls. I, I was, I've never been much of a con artist. I've always been very who I am and very real and down to earth, you know? And, you know, uh, anyway, so... But it was still fun to post up in front of like Fat Tuesdays with a phantom, you know, and talk to people, you know, whatever. So I'm working for this guy and like two weeks into the job, I'm at the, he had a, a penthouse. He owned the penthouse at the nicest hotel on South Beach. It's the Satai. Okay. It's the only, you know, I'm not, I don't even think they're a five-star hotel. One of the things people don't know about Miami Beach, not a, a fact that anyone needs to remember, is they, they don't have a ton of five-star hotels. There's only like one or two in the entire Miami, and they're not on the beach. But anyway, this was the highest-end place on the beach. Private, Jay-Z, uh, Wayne State, all these people stayed there. So it was like a spa. You would walk in, and it was kind of like Asian and minimalistic. There wasn't much there. I think Lenny Kravitz had a studio, a music studio there. Uh, and anyway, it was a really cool place. And so I would sit there day in, day out, just waiting for this guy to leave. And so one day the, um, the doorman, the concierge, he walked up to me and he was like, Hey man, uh, you know who you're working for? <laughs> I knew, I knew as soon as he asked me that, that it wasn't going to be a good thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? He didn't speak English so good, and, and I couldn't, we didn't communicate well. We just knew we were nice guys, and we would say hi, and that, that's it. And he was like, go Google your boss sometime. And then he started laughing again, and then he walked away. And I was like, ah, okay. So I went home, and I got on the Google, and uh, I looked him up, and the guy was a fucking maniac. He was um, trying to spend all of his money before his company board of directors and his ex-wife could get any of it. And so this guy would go to like, he would go to like a boat show, right? Like, hey, hey, you know, he had this kid that would hang out with him and get him all his drugs and everything. And, and he'd be like, yo, we should get a boat. Bro, Doc, we should get a boat, man. The girls love it. He was always hookers all day long. Always, always, always prostitutes. They weren't even, it were like, they were 21 at best. And, and, and the guy, and it was weird because he was like a, a normal old white dude. He'd get in the car and he'd be like, hi, Brian, how are you today? <laughs> I mean, like, hey, doctor, everything okay? You know, and I had to have certain things for him in the car. And, uh, and then I come to find out he was a fucking monster. And then I start seeing all stuff. But he was the kind of guy who would go to a boat show. I'll take two. <laughs> you know, it wasn't good wow. enough. No, no, that one's 2.3. I'll take that one and the one for 2.5. Uh, 
you know, wrap them up. Now I got to buy a, a fucking captain. He had some guy living in the boat and drinking all the champagne and everything. It was just craziness. So I knew that this couldn't last very long. And then they hired a guy to manage all of his stuff for him. And um, he hated me. I never, <laughs> I, I, my, my bosses never liked me very much. And, and he hated me. And um, he made it very clear that he wanted me out. And after a couple encounters, I was like, you know what? I'm better than this. I'm going to, uh, oh, the kid across the street in Miami, he was like, if you want to try auto transport again, let me know because my friend has his own license and he'll just let you, you just pay him a fee and he'll let you use his license and you can work for yourself and keep all the money. So, like, how oh, does that, so how does that work? Because I, I know you mentioned this before that that's pretty much your business before what Privada before, is. Yes, yes. That's how I made any money that I have, I made it from. Okay, so the, the basically you people pay okay. you to. All right, you're in Atlanta. You moved from Pennsylvania. All right, let's say you had two or three cars. You could only drive one, or you don't want to drive any. You say, "Hey, Brian, how much is it to ship my car on the back of a truck from here to Atlanta?" I get your pricing, and then we get a truck driver to 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 ship it. But it's 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 not that easy. The gotcha. truck drivers are very dynamic people. They, um, they live a very unique lifestyle and uh, things happen on the road that require, you know, uh, time and attention and not being able to, uh, you know, uh, get to where you were supposed to go on time. And so Mr. Smith thinks he's getting his car on Thursday and it doesn't arrive until Saturday. And from Thursday night until Saturday, he's pissed. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the driver is not answering the phone for some weird reason. And that's just the way it is for like three days. And you got to like, <laughs> you know, be the punching bag of that person. So that is the uh, that's that's the business. That's the auto transport biz. So wow. so one of the things I, I don't know, I mean, listening to this story that I noticed is that life was taking you in a path to be your own boss like you know every single time that you landed a job so when was it that you realized like hey i would have grabbed my i you know i don't want to use old uh unprogressive terms if i would have put my pants on and really made myself uh become fearless sooner i'd be a billionaire already Honestly, the, the things that I see and saw and, and but, okay, but I, that's how I feel. But if I didn't get every one of those experiences, Provada yeah. Club would not be as good as it is. I might do one thing good, like the writing, because I was a writer, but then I wouldn't be able to handle the logistics well. Like by the time I started Provada Cigar Club, I had been beaten up by all of my clients in auto transport. So like when... When Bobby writes me and is like, yo, thank you so much. I mean, me and my wife are looking at each other like, wait a minute. These people are buying our product and they're thanking us for it? Holy shit. This is <laughs> unbelievable. And I saw that and I was like, yo, I got to give back to these people. Not just the cigars, but I got to get they. I, I want to know them. Like, this is going to become a real club, not just some business. And, and that's, that's what we did. And then I slowly, uh, I have people working the auto transport. I don't do it anymore. I refuse to do it. It's tough. So you're, I, still, you're still dealing with the auto transport? Oh, yeah. I still have a company. It's, it's pretty automated. I have three amazing uh, representatives that work there. They work their full, you know, they, well, they do their own schedule, but they're, they're basically their own brokers under my name. And I give them all the you know, tools they need to go out and make money. And they, you know, cut me in a little bit. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. So Man. when was the time that you decided, you know, there must be, there must have been something that, that happened, you know, within, within yeah. the, you know, from the time that you were in the auto uh, industry to the cigar, how, how were you introduced to your first cigar? How did you know, like, when, when was that time that you looked at the cigar and you said, I can make a business out of this? Like, 
Out of oh, this that state in my hand. That didn't happen. Even after, uh, even after what happened, when I didn't think I was, I was going to make any real money with this or this was going to be something like real. I thought we'd get a couple hundred members and be like a boys club or, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't restricted to guys, but I just, I, I know I didn't think, but I do want to go back to one thing. You made me think of something that's very important is you're right. That time, I, I remember pretty much exactly where I was when it hit me. I was like, I can't work for other people. And then I realized very quickly that uh, I should have been my own boss a long time ago or whatever, and I was going to be very, very successful. And I don't know. It was just something that clicked. All of a sudden, it was like, it was like get over the fear. I can't work for this type of person. That's what jobs are. You know, it's just not my personality. I know I have more to offer than this. I've always hustled my whole life. Like, I can do something. And so I went out, and the first day that I did auto transport on my own, not driving around in a car, pretending I was doing both jobs, I, I made my entire salary for the week in one day. Now, a few days later, half of those jobs canceled because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but, but it was okay. It showed me. It gave me the confidence. Okay, everything's going to be all right. And once you have that, man, it's like getting thrown in the pool when you can't swim. Like once you figure it out how to tread water, you're like, all right, this is going to be all right. And I wish more people would do that. You know, I, I, I've thought about – actually – I was thinking about becoming some sort of like like coach or something like a life not life coach but like sales coach or teaching people how to work for themselves and stuff because I think it's a really freeing experience. But my father and my wife always tell me that work you know being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. But like with the club, I like to share my experiences with people, and in that way, I'm definitely an only child where where I feel like. Like, if I like something, I really want you to try it because I know you're going to like it too. And for some reason, maybe that's also because I'm an only child. Like, I want to share that experience with someone else other than just myself, you know? So I don't know. But all of these things and all of these skills tied into what makes Pravada Cigar Club what it is. And it's the reason why every time I see a new cigar club, I'm like, okay, good. Great. Oh, yeah. You ain't going to do what I do. You're going to exactly. short somewhere. <laughs> and if you don't, God bless you. You should be doing this then. You know what I mean? It's your natural gift. But I would say what we have here is something so unique and so different. It wouldn't be what it is if there, it's, there's no trick. There's no uh, a curtain to peek behind. It's, oh, I knew they would do it. There's not, no, these are the best people, the best cigars, the best information about the cigars and the best customer service in the game because I'm not serving customers. I'm serving my friends and family. So, um, but uh, you, okay, so what, what was the last thing you said? Like, oh, cigars. So I got into cigars. I was in Tampa Humidor uh, in 1988 now, in like 2000. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in like, I was there in like 2013 or 14, and there was this dude there named Brian also, big kid. He worked for Oliva, but he was like covering shifts at this place. And he was like, you want to see some? I had no idea. But I was going there because I worked from home. And it was once in a while to get out of the house during the day, I'd go to a cigar shop. So I walked in. I, I, he told me, you want to see something really cool? And I was like, what's up? And it, he, I think he showed me like a, a jar of Tatuaje Black Reserva, which came in like a, a ceramic jar back then. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he was like, these are the shit. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> now I couldn't taste cigars very well back then. I think I might have just bought my first box and I would smoke them when I got drunk. And I drank a lot back then, which I guess I still kind of do. But no, back then it was like party drinking. You know what I mean? Like out doing it. And um, so I would, I, I, when I would come home, if, uh, you know, if the circumstance happened to be, I would smoke a cigar and I would get it even more buzzed. And I'd be like, wow, that's fun. And then like, you know, I'd do it again sometime. But but it wasn't like, you know. And then so he showed me these things and I was like, wow, that's cool. I've been looking to get out of, I forgot to say that I've been a sneaker collector the whole time. Not like as hardcore as I think people think I was, but I have like, you know, 50 pairs, something like that. And, um, and I was like, I had been trying to get out of sneakers 
because I felt like I was getting a little too old for it, which isn't the case anymore. I don't feel that way. Like, if you like collecting sneakers at 50 years old, fine. I just felt like, as a single man at 36, 35, you know, that it was just a little bit like, okay, maybe I'm outgrowing this. You know what I mean? And so uh, I slowly started to wear the sneakers because I never wore them. So I would just wear them. And then when they got busted, I'd throw them out and that's it. And, or give them away. And um, so I end up getting these cigars from him. And then I got the last Calaveras 2014. Uh, I got... The, uh, the, the, the Halloween sticks from Pete again. And, and I was just like, yo, these are going to be worth so much money. It's crazy. <laughs> really thought like I was like a vintage wine dealer or something. <laughs> yo, this is going to be nuts. I'm going to be like, I'm really going to make money and do something cool, like selling these cool vintage cigars in like five to 10 years from now. And so that didn't work out. And then, um, Moved all around the country, met my wife, moved up to Pennsylvania to flip a house. I'm in Pennsylvania, and I saw how easy it was to get your wholesale license. So I got my wholesale license, added on to my collection. Living, I'm flipping a 6,000-square-foot house. I had a whole bedroom that was just filled with cigars. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then we decided to move back to L.A., and um, the apartment was like 750 square feet. So I was like, wow, I got to sell these cigars. Tried to sell the cigars. No one wanted to buy my cigars. They wouldn't pay me what they were worth. They didn't understand what they were. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to give people these great cigars at such a discount, I'm going to at least explain to them what they are so that they learn about it and enjoy the experience because they don't appreciate these cigars. Now, I probably just wasn't on the right forums and stuff like that. But I also didn't like cigar nerds back then. They were really hardcore dicks, a lot of them. And so, um, yeah, so I put this club together. I remember telling my wife, I was like, this thing is such an epic failure. (laughs) 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 I was like, don't ever tell anyone (laughs) that I did this. (laughs) Like, who, like, what? It was just crazy. And um, then Rob from Boveda called me, which is why I'm loyal to Boveda. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh one of the reasons why they do make a superior product, I believe. Um and so Rob called me and he was like, Yo, if you give me a box for free, I'll I'll unbox them like every month. And I was like, I guess so, can't hurt, right? So I sent him uh, a box. I woke up the next day, I had like 30 new members. Okay. And I was like, Well, what else can we do? So I just started reaching out to everyone, man. And a lot of people turned me down at first. People, I think people thought that I was doing something. I don't know. I don't know. Do but, they think you're running like a cult or something? Like is no, this guy. I, like, there was no one. There was no one following me. There they were. No, they probably thought that you were doing something like not respecting the process or something like I don't know, like making it commercial, you know, like yes. not a tradition or something. Something like that. It was something like that. So um, let me see if this thing smokes a little, seems a little wet to me. Hold on one sec, guys. Sorry. So eventually some people let me in. And before you know, I had like two, 300 members. You were, you came in around then. Nice. What? When when did you Cigarican, where did when did you start in Privada? I think it was 2017 or something like that. Uh I can't remember, but I think it was pretty much around March of my I can check actually because it tells you where you like every time that you think, it doesn't June? I think so. Somewhere around there, April, May, June. Okay. Uh, April, May. April, May, somewhere in there. Because we really started like one month prior to that, like in March. Maybe Okay, so yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, you you've been with us since the beginning. You're an OG, bro. Yeah. So, can you believe how far we've come, though? It's crazy, man. Right? No, just talking about the cigars, though. They oh. weren't that in the beginning. I would throw you guys stuff out of my personal collection, and some of them were pretty cool. But like, we didn't have the stuff that we have now. 
No, but it's, I mean, because it's pretty much you're doing this full time, you know, like that's, this is kind of like you said, I, I was uh, listening to an interview and you said that you're pretty much doing this, like this is your job to find, to find the best product, the best people, the best experiences. So, I mean, it's obviously going to be something good and it'll be better every time. These are cool. What do you got there? <laughs> I just found these guys. They're out of Nashville. They roll their cigars in uh, in tissue paper. Nice. Sons of Ash. And they're really good cigars, too, man. I got them in the shop coming up soon. Um, bro, my job is to find the best cigars in the world. So, man, so here's a question. Um, you know, we see all, all different kinds of, like, people in the in the cigar community you know you got old school ogs you know who who bite their cigars and they they tell you like if you're working you need to have a cigar like 10 hours a day in your mouth you have like people who smoke a cigar once every month you have people who do reviews and they probably smoke like just 10 cigars in their lifetime you know you got now influencers You know, every day, like, we're flooded with, like, different types of people in the community. How, 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 I mean, how do you put all these people together? Like, what was your vision when you said, do I want to be picky about my community? Do I want my members to be, to have certain qualities? Yeah. There was one quality. You had to be a nice person. You had to be a good person. Which is pretty much the same quality that you have up to this day. Like, if I, see, if I see someone acting like a dick, if I see someone disrespect, don't disrespect someone because they didn't know less than you. If that's what you came to do, go on Reddit, go on one of those other message boards. We don't want you. You're the person that I didn't like in the first place. Why would I want you to be a part of this? I don't even call it my club. It's our club. You know what I mean? Because, like, yo, I've had members tell me you need to stop doing this or that or, you know, and, and, and. I take it in serious consideration. They're members. They've been members for a while and they're seeing me. Am I do? you know, I'm always curious. Yo, people, people slip sometimes. You don't want to slip. Don't get caught slipping. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Be on yeah. your A game all the time. I'm a perfectionist. I believe in excellence. I think the human mind is, is, is made for, you know, for polishing at least one particular part of your life up to the point where you're great at it, you know? True, man. So I wanted to ask you because I, I mean, if, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But is there some brands that they didn't listen to you at the beginning and now they're like behind you, like trying really hard and now you're playing hard to get, you know what I mean? Like, fuck uh, you. Like you didn't listen to me yeah. when I, when I reached to you. No, uh, <laughs> No what? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there might be one or two, but you'd be shocked. Uh, uh, you'd be shocked, man. Some of these guys are still holding out like it's a fad or something. I'm like, okay. Not really? I, and you know what? I always... Hey, let, let me tell you something. Again, this is something... And it's, it's weird. It's just intuition with me of the right thing to do. I am a salesman at heart as far as like... I believe that we're always selling ourselves in every aspect of our lives. And you really need to, you know, kind of put your best self out there. And I also believe that I'm serving the greater good of the club. This isn't about me or my ego. This isn't about what I like. This is about what is unique, different, should be talked about, should be known, isn't, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. And um, there are some brands that are still like, trying to play this game and I'm like I'm done playing the game you know most of those brands I can buy their product from wholesale distributors I don't yeah. need I don't you know I get a lot of like oh you got to work your way up kind of thing and I'm mm -hmm. like dude I'm sorry man I know that that's how this business has worked up until now but that's over and we're proving that yeah so, exactly you know don't don't why are you putting out Why are you? Why do you have 49 products, bro? What? Okay, so you want 49 products. Are they good? 
Oh, no, I got to buy 40 products to get the nine that I want. Come on, man. I, that's just, no, no thanks. World's too big for that. There's so many. I am discovering so many cigar manufacturers that have been just taken advantage of, kept in the dark. They've made some of the cigars that we know and love and thought someone else made them. Oh, this guy's a blender. No, he's not a blender. He's never rolled a cigar in his life. I'll never call myself a blender. I'm not a blender. I've helped in the blending process with, I, I do believe that I have a great palate. I do believe that my notes are, you know, as, as uh, creative as they can be, that you can find these, these flavor notes. In, and I believe that I'm as good as any reviewer in this business, that's for sure. Uh, uh, n none of them impressed me. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I think there, I think a few of them are on a certain level, and then that's it. I don't think it's like you know uh, uh, some of the food critics where they're like they've tasted it. You know, it's like unbelievable. I, you know, it's for me rating cigars is kind of anyhow. I mean, um, you're a poet, bro. You're you're writing that poetry as yes. you are <laughs> tasting that and perceiving that poetry. So it's not just about being a reviewer. It's about telling people your story and and that's what we do here in cigars podcast we pretty much we don't tell people what's good or what's bad we tell them what was our experience and our story and that's it if you like it then you can watch our movie if you don't just you know watch the next episode yeah. or just yeah, yeah. you know tune to another channel and and that's just fine but when i read when i get these papers and i read um i feel like man like i can either read and forget about it, or I can really go into the process and do some introspection. And the, the first time that I was introduced to, to Privada was by my friend Julissa. Julissa was the mail carrier when you drop off, we used to drop off the, the, the mail in somewhere in Orlando or in Florida, right? And she's one of my friends from the music and culture. So uh, I think it was like two years ago, she was coming to my house. Because she's my good friend. She stays at my home, uh, driving up from uh, Orlando. And she said, Sergio, I got this guy from Privada Cigar Club. He gave me, like, two, uh, two like, envelopes with cigars. And she's like, one for you, one for me. And when I opened that, st that stuff, it was like a Davidoff Escurio. It was the math booth. Man, I love that freaking cigar. I, I don't know what else. And I told Cigarica, and he's like, Damn, bro, you got the good, like you got the <laughs> yeah, dude, the best, you got the good box, like, man. <laughs> and I and I and I just opened it, and it was like I like this. And I sat down. Uh, we were driving up from Florida. We stopped at Tallahassee. We were doing some kind of like uh, I was doing like a master class in FSU in Tallahassee, and we were in a house with a pool. I opened up. I started reading, and I'm like, shit, like this is nice. And and she's like, yeah, I get, you know, like I, I do his like he drops off like boxes and, you know, like a bunch of stuff and I take care of it. And she was just like, you like it? And I was like, yeah, of course, because she knew I was into cigars, but I never I always saw Cigarican. The only thing is that back then I used to live in a place that you couldn't smoke. So it was, you know, a place in, 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 in Virginia where I couldn't even smoke around my building. So it was hard. I needed to go to a store to have my smoke, you know, my cigars. So uh, for a while, I was living in a place like that. And right when the, when the time was right, she introduced me to, to Privada just like that. It wasn't even something like it was just the craziest way. And I was like, OK. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a special product, and I'm 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 lucky to be involved with it. All of those life experiences turned into Pravada Cigar Club, and uh, it's a it's been a blessing in my life. And it's just I can't tell you how much joy it brings me to know that it makes people happy, and to hear their emails and have them share their experiences with me. <clears throat> and then I also can't believe how. Uh, uh, how much I enjoy teaching people, how much I enjoy not teaching people. I feel like I'm able to go to the well <clears throat> with the bucket and take the bucket back to my people because I'm getting to be with people that are tobacco. They are the industry. They grew up in this stuff. They know it. They know every story. They know everything. They know what this guy does to his cigar. And so I listen to, I go there, I ask 
them questions, I come back and I put it on the YouTube. You know what I mean? I put yeah. it in the notes. I, I try to I try to inform all of us so that we're all educated consumers that really know our stuff. So we're creating a nicer cigar culture. We're creating a more educated cigar culture. Bro, a guy in the 90s, they didn't know what they were saying. Oh, Romeo. Oh, I got an Opus X. Oh, look at me. I paid $50 for this thing. They don't know where it came from or who made it. They don't know who yeah. Arturo Puente is. True, man. They don't know. They don't know this stuff. They don't know that they lost a ton of Opus product in some flood or some shit like a fire. Like they don't know anything. They're not real. They're not, you know. And listen, those people fuel this industry. We are a nickel at best. True. So, but we're growing. But it might be the new, let's say, the new generation of of smokers, you know, and people are. They're starting to like, it's not about the cigar, but the story behind it and where it come from, where it came from and whatever. So people, they don't really care too much about the brand anymore. They want to know what's behind it. And that's yeah. something that you're bringing to the people. So yeah. that's something that people, they cannot, uh, they can't, cannot copy that. You know, you have to meet the guy. You have to yeah. know the story. And that's something 100%. that you're doing, man. 100%. So, um, yeah, man, I'm happy. And thanks for asking those questions. I'm sorry to give you such a long answer, but that's, uh, there's a lot happened in my life. I, I really have, I've, I've, I've moved 42 years old. I've moved almost 38 times or something like that in my life. Like it's a lot, it's a lot. So I'm finally here in Orlando. We bought a home here. I, promised my wife we're not going to move anywhere until the baby's out of high school. And so that's that's what we're going to do. So now I'm dealing with that chapter of my life, you know? Nice. Bro. And, nice. You, and you're in a strategic point, right? Like geographically, like you're at the place where great things are happening with the, with the tobacco and the cigar community. So, you know, you're the epicenter. Um, I had my friend, uh, uh, Kender, He showed me, she, he sent me yeah. a picture from, from continental. You know, I was, I was the one that talked to him about, about Privada. I was like, dude, you need to reach out to Brian. Um, because Sigurican and I were the first pretty much, I think we were the first people to try one of the first 20 people to try that cigar in the U S yeah. And, and that guy came through another interview that we did with a guy called Compartiendo Un Cigarro in the Dominican Republic. He's a, a, an attorney in Dominican Republic. And during the pandemic, because he works with the, to the, the tobacco companies, he started interviewing these guys, you know, every day at six. And wow. he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up with some people. You need to meet them. And it was Kender. And I feel like the community is such a beauty. He has this... Um, this slogan that he said, say no to like what free cigars or something like, yeah. you know, there's people always asking for free stuff and, yeah. um, and they don't put their work in. So he was saying, and I think Cigarican is a perfect example of that. Like, you know, we buy our own cigars and, and we love it. And, um, Cigarican has been with Privada, what, three years, almost four years now. And, uh, you know, he's there, he's a loyal member. And I think this helps, the industry, the business, and get in and helps build for more people to come. Yeah, man. Percent. I think I think we should leave it there. Um, I think that's a perfect way to end it. We're creating a great culture in cigars like they've never seen. And when I say we're creating, I think a lot of these people thought that I was going to take a piece of their pie. And we created our own pie. Dude, we have so many people i have smokers that were cigar nerds that were like yo i was gonna quit smoking cigars and then i found provada wow and then i have people that are that are more those are those those guys are more experienced than i and then i have people that they were like yo i liked cigars but i was intimidated i didn't know what to ask or what to say you know like this has been like So we have like novices and professionals all together. Bro, I catch people, chefs. We have famous people in the club, bro. We nice. have NFL players. We have uh, professional skateboarders. We have um, uh, 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 um, 
We have chefs, like real chefs, like real deal national chefs. We have uh, someone else just told me about something, man. We might be doing some a music series with a bunch of like real, real talented musicians, like big people. So, you know, it's um, it's it's really cool what we're doing. We're bringing this into the. It was it was a dinosaur, and we're we, we're dusting it off. We're re reshaping it. We're making it a different thing, and it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. It's relaxing. It's very adult, uh, and um, and it's it's very it's just mature and cool. Like it's sophisticated a little bit. Yeah, you know? of course. I have a question for you yeah. about. Um, so, if you were to pair um, this episode, right? You're listening with a with a cigar from Privada from the club, and then after you, the interview is done, you want to pair it with uh, some music, an album. We we have this thing called the musical pairing where we pair the cigars with an album, and okay. we have a we have a playlist on on Spotify, right? So, uh, what album would you and and that's a, a nice idea to start sharing with people like a musical pairing with Privada Cigar Club members that would be a total hit playlist. Yeah. You know, we thought about that. So we we were gonna do all the stuff that we use on the YouTube episodes. Because people are always asking, yo, who, what's that song? What's that song? And these guys are artists that are really talented and they license their stuff for pennies on the dollar. And so we were going to come up with a, a playlist of those things and put it on YouTube. So we're looking into that. But I mean, I don't know. I've been listening. All I can tell you is this. I've been listening to this guy, Pop Staples, he's called. He's got a, an album called... Pops Staples, Stay With Me, I believe it's called. Pops Staples, Stay. I'm looking for it. <laughs> oh, nice, yes. The red album cover. Pops Staples, here we go. Let's see, I'm on his wiki page. Pops Staples. Don't lose this. Don't lose this. There you go. I like that album a lot. He's got some jams on there. This dude, he died 15 years ago. Um, he's got some jams. This is like a new remastered thing. I don't know. They put it out in some in the early 2000s. And, uh, I'm in love with that. And then there are these kids from like Oregon and Houston, these uh, blonde haired kids. They look like they should be in a Ralph Lauren ad. Uh, and, and I think they, they partner with one of, the, one of the guy's sister once in a while. I forget what they're called, but they I was really into them for a minute, too. I don't get into new music a lot. Um, uh, I do like, uh, as far as rap music goes, I'm very impressed with Griselda music. I don't know if you guys listen to them. Uh, uh, like, um, what's his name? Butch, uh, Benny the Butcher and um, uh, uh, West Side Gun and Conway the Machine. These guys are rappers out of Buffalo, which is like the most like crazy place for a rap group to come out of and they're super fucking stylish they all they get dressed by um uh the guy from louis vuitton uh off-white virgil abloh and like i don't know man i just think it's super cool i like yellow wolf a little bit too um but uh but yeah um pop staples and i do that with a maduro and some whiskey and maybe a, a beer to chase it with or something We're going to add pot, that album uh, to our playlist, Cigar, Cigars Podcast wow. playlist. Your people are going to unsubscribe. <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in honor of our, of our guests. So one of the things, Brian, and, and I, I, we don't want to end the interview without talking about this because I just experienced it firsthand. The beautiful freaking LCA, man. My wife was out buying the Christmas decor and shit and you know like she going crazy all over like Fayetteville getting stuff for the trees and and you know uh, and then she's like do you want anything she's like I, I, I need you to stay with our daughter she's like you know I, I'm gonna take her back to the house so I can just keep shopping yeah. uh, for Christmas stuff and I was like yeah I was about to go to the shop it was Friday to get that cookie monster right <laughs> and you know she's like just You know, Cookie Monster? Yeah, she's like, yeah, okay. So I took a, I took a picture, sent it to her, and she said she walked in there, in this case, Anstead's, the Red Barn Fayetteville, and she asked for the Cookie Monster. Boom, she got me too. And it was just like, you know, I didn't even have to go there. 
But one of the things that I read and I've been reading in the group, right, um, Privado Club on Facebook, is that there might be people who um, have a store that's close to them, the brick-and-mortar store, but they don't have the cigars that they want. And I think this ver it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, numerous factors. But here in North Carolina, you see a lot of brands that you might not see in, in Florida. Or you might see a lot of brands uh, in, like, a store I was in uh, that's a brick and mortar for, uh, and it's part of the LCA in Wyoming, in Jackson. Uh, my wow. man Dave over there, Tobacco Row. Man, he had the so month. Cool. Oh, he's a big deal. He's he's got some stuff over there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so here I am. I was in 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 Wyoming uh, on vacation, and I I look at cigar shop, and when I walk through the door, there's a sticker, boom, LCA, and I'm like, damn, this is the kind of places I want to visit, and I'm coming all the way. I'm Puerto Rican. I I, I live in North Carolina. And then my local shop is part of the LCA. And then I'm here like thousands of miles away in Wyoming. And my man Dave and bro, like it was just like we were cousins that we hadn't seen each other in years. We wow. just immediately clicked, man. Beautiful. Wow. So you went in this store 2,500 miles away. You saw the LCA sticker and you made a friend. Yeah, they, they, even, they even gave my wife a hoodie, like the guys there. I, I bought a bottle of barber and I shared it with everybody in the store. And they were like, they, they were just, you know, in love with my wife. My wife was smoking, too. And they're like, you know, we, we don't get a lot of ladies who smoke. And they gave her a hoodie and they bought her cigars. It was just like the best time. Uh, we had. It makes me emotional, man. I, I'm. You know, I think most people from the generation before us would say, are you stupid? <laughs> they would look at me and be like, what's, what's wrong with you? Why would you give your customers, your friends, your, you know, your members, why would you give these people to another person who's in your business and is basically your competition? And I just don't see it that way, man. I just don't see it that way. I, I, I think that these store look look what you just did that is an experience very similar to a brewery experience okay breweries are great not because everyone loves to drink a ton of beer all the time but you go to a brewery and it's not like going to a nightclub it's not like going to a corner bar it's a culture it's like yo yeah we like to drink but we like to drink cool stuff we like to know who made our stuff. We like, and yo, if you have that open mind, you go to a, you go to a brewery and sit at the bar. You're gonna meet people and talk to people and every. Hey, what are you drinking? What? Oh, I love that. Oh, I hated that one. And it's the same kind of culture. And so I'm trying to create that. Unfortunately, cigar shops don't look like breweries. <laughs> a lot of them are fucking like. It's like, how are you guys still in business? But anyway, it's also kind of cool in a retro way, right? So. That was the experience that I was looking for because I knew that if you guys, I knew a lot of you didn't really have those experiences and I knew that it was out there. And I also felt like brick and mortar, without brick and mortar, without the shops, you really don't have much of a culture. Sure, we would probably do our thing online, but it's not the same, man. And, and they deserve, these shops deserve some, some, some love. And um, I mean, the stories that I'm getting are like, I, I, I thought it would work, but I didn't know it would work this quickly, and I didn't know it would work this well. And I'm so excited to be. I saw a post the other day. This guy goes, just a, it was almost as though he was rubbing it in my face. He was like, just a quick question. He was like, I know all of you went to your LCA shop and bought the Cookie Monster, but on top of the Cookie Monster, how much more money did you spend? <laughs> I don't know if this guy's like works for another company and is doing market data or something. But, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a great fucking question. And <laughs> everyone's like, 100, 200. I'm like, well, so why don't you spend that on the shop? We need the money. But, you know, like, it's all good, man. I, you know, the, the thing with the subscription is it's every month. And um, as long as I keep people engaged, they seem to stick around. And uh, um, and that's the buying power of, of the, the cigars. That's how I, I get to get involved in these cool deals that a lot of other people can't capitalize on. 
So LCA is, is amazing. Thank you for doing that. I mean, without guys like you, it doesn't work. So it's all, that's the community. It's all cyclical, cyclical, you know, yeah. it's all cyclical. It's a big cycle. You go there, you come to me, you go out. I don't give it to you because I want the LCAs to get some love. Then you go to the LCA, you know, and, and it's all this, you know, this thing. So what has been the reaction to like the brick and mortar uh, owners, you know, like do, do they accept it when you talk to them or they are like a little. Nine out of ten don't, you know, they, they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. They're a tough crowd to begin with. It's yeah. not easy to sell these places. They get calls all the time. You have to go in and talk to them. We were told that this would fail because we don't have a sales rep in the shop. And I said, that's bullshit. This is 2020. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, but. Nice. I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. It's the limited cigar association. So, I mean, nine out of 10, well, more exclusive. And then when they see people or they hear people calling, wait, hey, do you got this cigar? No, I don't have it. Hell, I told Brian no. And now I got like, you know, 25 <laughs> people calling me this Friday. And I'm here like, you know, I would have gotten those sales. True, like man. 25 people buying $100, you know, <laughs> that's it, a lot of money. It's, it's the supreme effect. We really, our generation and people within uh, 25 to 45, we really love cool stuff. We love stuff that we know who made it and it has a story to it. And we love stuff that's hard to fucking find. True. <laughs> it's that, that it's FOMO. A, like, oh, I got it. Yeah. That's FOMO. You don't want to, you don't want to miss it. It's a, it's a small win. And that is what life is uh, from all the reading I do. That's a big key to a happy life is small wins. Yes, Little it is. Wins. Guys that win big don't aren't usually the happiest people. They win big and then they're always trying to chase that for the rest of their life or fails or, you know, they, you know, the guy who had the hit single. He's not happy he had a hit single. He's pissed that he only had one. You know, you <laughs> yeah. he goes through 10 years of depression, you know, and then finally comes out of it and like, you know. People yes. see him on the street and they're like, you're that guy from this song. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Again, <laughs> same yeah. thing. Uh, man, I, I I love this story because I'm also a musician and I live off music like, you know, through whole like my whole college career. So I, um, you know, I've recorded like in, in, in Latin Grammy winning recordings and bands. So, I mean, I, I I'm in love with the story and I see where the creativity uh, comes from. And I I'm telling you, this was better than I thought. Um, So lastly, to, to wrap up, I think, um, so Bobby and I, we have been doing something that has been working for us and it's, we are finding, or people are also finding Latino members of Privada Cigar Club. And, and it has been crazy because uh, two days ago I was smoking with Nardo, who is in Miami oh. and, and he found us through the, we are Privada, uh, hashtag and. And he's smoking with us now. Uh, and I'm here talking about what his plans are about, you know, his family. And we're looking at each other, uh, you know, via via messenger. And, you know, we're just talking like we know we know each other from, you know, 10 years. And and he, I just met him through, you know, through social media. So um, this is something that I feel like people, uh, all those Latinos, um, that are that are part of cigars podcast are, are part of privada cigar club i want them to get to know each other and to form a relationship like the one you and and bobby have the one that i have with bobby and now i have with you so i think you know there's a face that that can look like you and talk like you and speak your native language so i want people to know when they think of privada they can also think of us and you know we're what better example than bobby like he's the biggest i think latino advocate like <laughs> we have listen we have um I, i've always been a, a a a man of the people i've always i've had you know i black tons of you know when i was young all i hung out with was black and puerto rican allentown it's basically If you wanted to get into trouble, you had to hang out in downtown, and downtown was all black and Puerto Rican. I grew up with Puerto Ricans, New Yorkans, totally yeah. different, totally different. You learn that. 
Because I come down to Orlando and I meet Puerto Ricans and I'm like, you're not like the guys I grew up with. Those guys are rough. Like, they're totally different. <laughs> it's just, you know who wants to be in the studio with? I don't know. I don't think he would remember me. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was De La Ghetto. Yeah, yeah De La Ghetto. De La Ghetto. He lives in Orlando, Florida, too. Yeah. Does Shout he? out to him. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So for all of you, all of you who are, were listening, uh, I know, you know, you know, Brian's in Florida and there's a freaking storm called Ita coming and probably his connection or something got really fucked up. So he just went and grabbed a beer from the fridge and now he's back with us and we are here. Probably that. Going towards the end of the interview, Brian, you know, it's we've been talking for an hour. It's been amazing, man. I eat. No, thank you guys for having me. But I was saying before. I, I love people of all colors, man. I, I've always found every culture very interesting and always wanted to uh, know as much as I could about each. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, if you guys are building a, a Latino privada, I'm in, bro. I'm in. <laughs> hey, man, we just want Latinos to try privada. Uh, we, right. You know. You know, yeah, a lot of people have approached us, and maybe you can, you can give us some, some advice in this. Like, you know, people yeah. see... Careful though, because the all white Pravada club that, <laughs> that no, that I, you know, a little tight, yeah. I don't know if I can, <laughs> where I stand on. That I I love I love the diversity in Pravada club, but but one of the things people tell us they see like what we're doing right. We're communicators. We're trying to tell people's story, like yeah. like you like you know you started doing with with Pravada, like telling the the story about those cigars. We're trying to tell the story of the people who smoke cigars, who love them, who have been in the industry or who are new to the industry. We don't care. We want to let people tell their own story um, and give them that exposure where, you know, there's certain magazines and certain um, websites where you you see more of the same every month. So, um, you know, people have approached us and they're like, man, you need to have your own cigar. You're going to kill it. And And Bobby and I, we look at each other. And I'm like, we love all cigars. Like, why do I want to have my own cigar? Like, it's it's not a matter of my pride. I want to be able to talk about all these other cigars that are great. And and I feel like that's my role within the community. That's awesome. That's awesome that you feel that way. That's awesome that you see it that way. And and I, I see it that way too. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just proud to be a part of this. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier. And I'm so so appreciative of all you guys that support this thing and you know I, i'm just gonna stay level-headed keep my ear to the ground make sure that i'm getting us the best cigars possible and that you know we're all treating each other with respect and that's all i can do perfect man appreciate it i mean is there something else you want to say to say goodbye oh. to the people or something oh. no just thank you guys all and um you know if you watch this whole thing that's awesome i appreciate it and uh you know You definitely got to know more about me than uh, you would have from any of the other interviews so far. So, yeah, man, appreciate I appreciate your you know openness to your story, you know, and Open it's, book, man. it's it's awesome. Like, and it's awesome because probably somebody with your story or with half of of your story will have a whole different end at this point, you know. Oh yeah, you know I, what I mean. Yeah, my wife and I were just talking about that last night. I was like, man, I mean, I don't know how I ended up here. Like, you know, to the kids I grew up with, they're not, you know, I mean, they're okay, I guess. Some of them. Some of them are dead. Um, you know, some of I mean, we lost kids in high school. But my high school had a nursery in it. And Anyway, I got I got to go. <laughs> I'm gonna let Thank you, go. you, Brian. Stay I'm, humble. We'll talk Stay about humble, my, man. My, my childhood trauma some other time. All right, well, guys. Thank Second you. part. Thank you, Brian. And we wish the best for everyone at Privada Cigar Club. Look at Brian up, Privada Cigar Club. And, you know, look at those lives that Brian does at 10 a.m. Those are the best. So follow <laughs> Privada and become a member. Thank you, Brian. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. I'll see you around. Okay, hasta la let próxima. me know when this is up. I'll promote it. Thanksgiving. Okay. We're going out Thanksgiving. Yes. Right. Prime okay. time. All right. All right. Cool. Thank you. Hasta Peace. la próxima. Bye.